Welcome to another episode of Process Miner University. In this podcast, learn what's happening in the world of the industrial Internet of Things from leading authority Lucian Forgros, co-founder of IIoT World. Kareem Porak, co-founder and CEO of Process Miner, will interview Lucian as he shares some common misconceptions about IIoT and his observations about investments manufacturers are making in digital technologies. Good afternoon, Lucian. Uh, thank you for accepting our invitation to be a guest at our Process Minor University podcast. It's an honor to have you on, uh, on our program and uh, I'm looking forward to learn from you and I'm hoping and I'm confident that our audience will learn from you too. All right, so- Thank you uh, for uh, allowing me to be on the show. Thank you, Karim. Of course, it's a pleasure. All right, I'll, I'll just jump in and start with your, uh, your company, actually. One of the industry leading uh, publications with a very large audience out there and providing a lot of information regarding the um, uh, IoT and AI technologies uh, uh, related to manufacturing. And uh, as a fellow entrepreneur and co-founder, tell me a little bit about the history of how long you've been in business uh, what compelled you to start uh, this publication? Sure. So, so IoT World is on its fourth year. So uh, February 3rd, we'll actually uh, have our anniversary. Uh, I come from industrial software background. So I wrote device drivers, a software engineer for industrial processes, uh, moved in various roles in product management, product marketing, uh, uh, project management as well at global level. Um, and... Um, about four years ago, after I tested the market a little bit, it, it was very obvious there's a need for, for educated at sea level as to what exactly is this industrial IoT, how do you get started with it, whether it's Industry 4.0 in Germany, whether it's China 2025, Industrial IoT here in, in North America, uh, how do you get started with it? And uh, uh, a little secret, my business partner is actually my wife. Her, her, her uh, uh, background is... Uh, journalism. She wrote her PhD comparing digital versus traditional journalism. So we thought we would uh, uh, put this thing to address a couple of things. One was filling a gap what trade publication were not covering about four or five years ago, or they were covering as a supplement uh, industry, primarily because they're probably afraid of cannibalization of the existing business. And perhaps industri- the fourth industrial revolution or evolution into the fourth industrial, it's it's not as easy to, to put your hands on like the first, second, or third, right? And so there was the first thing to do is filling the gap in the market that was out there. The other thing is to democratize the industrial marketing. So traditionally in, in the manufacturing perspective, there's probably about eight companies that had, had been controlling the space, right? And um, what we wanted to do is offer the same seat at the table for a startup that has a very promising solution as well as the large companies uh, to, to essentially uh, talk about what is predictive analytics uh, and perhaps address a problem within that. Um, so as you know, digitalization is everywhere. So there was uh, one of the trends that was at that time. If I look at what, you know, 40 years ago or 20 years ago when I, when I started my career in the industrial space uh, with a VC back uh, industrial software, uh, you used to go for a market that's basically one distributor time. So you had a product, you're adding a distributor time. That's a linear thinking. So now we're in this explosive exponential era where uh, thinking exponentially, uh, it's, it's 
becoming a little bit harder to predict where you're going to be two to the power of 16 to the power of 32 without a calculator. So, so this change is, was a prime for, for IoT world. And uh, what we found is we had a broad subject matter expert, such as yourself, such as Tom, to our uh, platform. So over 450 uh, uh, folks, subject matter experts from around the world to, to comment as to what exactly is it, to write about it and to get interviewed kind of like this. And then the second thing that that result in the community that's, that's approaching a quarter million decision makers, about 246,000 people, less than we out of it. All right, great. So this puts you actually in a very unique position of recognizing these uh, digital transformation trends that is taking place right now. So from your point of view, uh, what industries are making this uh, the biggest investments and really moving toward uh, uh, utilizing industry 4.0 technologies and as a whole of their uh, uh, um, sort of a fundamentally fundamentals of their digital strategy. Uh, which industries are you seeing the biggest uh, investments uh, uh, taking place? Right. So, so in my mind, I think every industry will be disrupted by this, by this digitalization, by this industry, industrial IoT. You've mentioned industry 4.0, so that's uh, uh, Germany's uh, initiative to enhance the German competitiveness in, in manufacturing industry. So certainly we, we are seeing that uh, in manufacturing, but we picked three industries. So we dabbled when we started in roughly about 16 different industries. We decided it's going to be manufacturing, it's going to be energy, it's infrastructure and digital buildings uh, to, to name a few. Uh, and and I, I think those are the things that, you know, every industry is in a different, if you will, maturity uh, phase, right? If you look, take manufacturing, automotive manufacturing, they've been connecting things, they've been automating for, for many, many years. So there's probably a little more advanced on, on that journey. If you take, for instance, in the energy space, uh, the, we're just scratching the surface about the opportunities there. So definitely see a lot of uh, investment there. All right. And then you talked about the journey. So we uh, lately, especially since uh, past couple of years, we are seeing a uh, uh, the high trend of, of, of increasing the companies going toward these, uh, the industry 4.0 initiatives. Uh, however, a lot of these companies, uh, they have different ideas of what that's going to look like. And, uh, um, and some of these activities and decision makings are happening in the IT departments of companies some happening in a C-suite of companies. So they're, they're still uh, struggling uh, to sort of uh, put a right vision and right plan together. Are you seeing this problem out there with these companies? And if you do, what's your uh, suggestion for these companies? What's your advice for these companies? How yeah, to start, uh, how to write, uh, start with the right plan? Yeah, so, so don't know if there's a right or wrong plan. I think everybody is in a different uh, maturity, uh, I guess, uh, level. And as such, uh, there's no one solution. We start the executive level only because if you start at the top, we felt that it has any project uh, has, uh, you have a chance to be uh, ported out towards multiple sites and so on. So we, we thought that having an executive sponsor would be something that would be uh, recommended. So absolutely, we're seeing the same thing talking to, I probably talked to uh, over 2,500 different companies over the last four years. So yes, we are seeing quite a bit of this. We are seeing isolated projects that work, probably has good potential, but they didn't get the right sponsorship and, 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 or executive sponsorship to do that. So that's why we, we started at that executive to educate. A lot of companies and organizations actually start yeah. a journey, right? Yeah. But uh, they're struggling to realize uh, the value 
and monetize their data for, mm -hmm. uh, when they get into this industry, uh, industrial IoT or artificial intelligence for, uh, for manufacturing. Um, and a lot of companies actually start in-house doing these projects, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we see a big uh, sort of a, um, evidence out there that a lot of internal projects of these companies actually never passes the POC level, mm -hmm. right? It gets to that stage and never becomes a product. Uh, why do you see that is? is uh, and, and how do you see this uh, sort of changing? These companies are uh, now looking for the technologies outside of their organization or are you seeing still the trend of these companies trying to do it yourself uh, method? We, we see a, a mix of those things in terms of, again, it's our customers or our customers' customers that come and tell their story. So this is uh, uh, when we have an end user, we bring in and try to pick their brains like we recently have from Toyota and so on. Uh, why are some of the projects uh, don't go behind the POC? Uh, it could be a number of, of reasons. Uh, you know, the, you can prove value in a, a small POC, but is it directly aligning with the executive direction and vision? So I think if you don't have the right, if you will, uh, map, uh, you're always going in the right direction, right? So it's having the right KPI. I think that's very important. And what problem you're solving? You're not going to go out like and buy an industrial IoT. What you're, what you're trying to do is try to solve something and prove there is value. So having the right KPI, align that, and then kind of measuring that. So if there is a way to do that, I think companies that had success, those in, in my, at least if I see a common trend, that's what it, it's at, is, is having the right KPI and whatever we call it, the industrial IoT, whatever the, the, the term you use, uh, that's typically uh, what we've seen, at least the majority that have been able to roll out in multiple locations. Gotcha. So uh, um, do you, what is the most common, uh, Lucian, what's the most common uh, sort of a misconception and misunderstanding of the uh, C-suite executives in the companies that are getting into planning and execution of the industry 4.0? What is it that you see that, uh, that every time you see it, say, ah, here, this is, they, 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 again, they're thinking, uh, they're not looking at this in the right way. So, so I think there's a couple of things. It, on one hand, uh, there are a, a number of executives that, that had been ignoring the space, right, for a while. They are skeptical. Well, we've been collecting data. Uh, what, what's new now, right? So if you take the traditional industrial automation, just for an example, that's been a little bit of skepticism there because we've been collecting data. But what's changed is, is three things, right, is the uh, cost of, 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 of hardware is approaching zero. When I started my career, industrial computer was $20,000. Now it's, you know, you can get a, 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 a little tablet and, and put an enclosure box and it's got more sensor in it. The cost of extraction of the data is approaching zero. So that's another thing. Business models that are changing, right? You're going from a large CapEx expenditure to an OPEX. So I think it's, it's and, and, and the second problem that we see, we see with some of the executive looking at this is that oh, they see a number of people extracting value, let's jump in a game without having a strategy, without putting the right KPI in place. So I think those are at least a couple of that that I could comment on. If just judging based on the you know, last four years of experience, uh, if I go back, uh, yet another two, uh, mistake that was made, and perhaps that's more on a vendor side, is thinking that industrial IoT is simply 
taking an old uh, use case that's connected and, and labeling industrial IoT and bragging to everybody got industrial IoT. And then I think that was also a mistake to jump in there because customers remember, um, do remember that you've tried to sell predictive analytics 20 years ago and perhaps it didn't go quite as advertised. So at least two or three uh, examples there. Very good, very good. Actually, this is a great example. So that leads me to the, to the question I have and, and the comment I always make when we're in these conventions or uh, in, in, in panels uh, about the, the role that is now, uh, it's, uh, it's an empty chair, I'll call it, uh, at this point, still in a lot of boardrooms. And that is a chief uh, digital officer of companies, right? Mm -hmm. I and I think uh, we see that increasingly becoming a necessity for these companies because uh, there should be a sort of a, a, a maestro, an organizer, and, and someone who can uh, sort of put this plan together with, and with the consideration of all different aspects of the business and not just one side of it. It cannot just be IT-centric. It cannot just be business-centric, right? It should have a different vision. So what do you, are you seeing a trend of that role uh, being opened with, uh, with corporations right, uh, right now? I, I, yes, on a large side, yes, we, have, we are seeing a lot of this new roles emerging. And yes, you do need to have someone that's getting up every morning and, and focusing on that and, and keep an eye on the, the, the KPIs. Uh, and also in some of the large end users, we're seeing those. And, and I think that that's why you also see a lot of the, uh, a number of the use cases go beyond a POC because of having someone that's assigned to keep an eye on that. And as somebody that has the backing of the board, like you've referenced, all right, uh, great. So, um, and um, in terms of ROI, right? Um, a lot of uh, companies, uh, when they put their plan together, they have uh, they have some expectation of the, what the ROI should be, right? And uh, this is a still a developing technology. Uh, industrial IoT, AI, predictive analytics, machine le learning. Uh, believe it or not, this is maybe a, a been a been done for many years, but we are in a uh, I could say we are in a uh, early stage still of this to really truly get it to the point that can uh, flourish and 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 uh, bring a lot of value to these manufacturers. So uh, the ROI expectation of companies sometimes unrealistic when you put a system in, in place. Uh, for example, on a scrap rate reduction, they all of a sudden want to achieve what's achievable in ten years in in one month or two months or in a pilot uh, phase. Uh, are you seeing this being a problem in uh, different industries or are you seeing this is actually becoming a, uh, um, a education problem of uh, us companies like ProcessMiner educating their customers about how to approach and how to expect achieving these ROIs? I certainly think that a company like yours has a tough job to kind of uh, uh, educating that because you first have to uh, do a lot of undoing of what was promised in the past and wasn't quite accomplished. And I've referenced that, that sort of a target folks that had been. And ROI is one of the things, the hardest thing to, to focus on, right? So there's uh, people went for low hanging fruits in predictive uh, maintenance and, 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 and it's easy math the right and stuff but there is a lot of opportunity i think we're just scratching the surface you mentioned ai in there you know if i look at uh you know quality in a manufacturer right there is used to be a vision uh system to to do the quality and it was quite expensive hard to set up right 
now you may just have a technology that you can set up an off-the-shelf camera and an algorithm that may actually be able to do some basic inspection, not to compete with the vision, but where the inspection wasn't possible. So there might be another area to, to do some, uh, some, to extract some more value. So I think that if companies do this plenty right, do a little bit of POC uh, and, and, and the pilot project and have set the realistic expectation, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, and you have the right backing, you can carry that. But yes, it's still a, a, a long journey, right? It's we're still at the beginning, but I fully believe that, uh, you know, it's not just the technology industriality, but that coupled with artificial intelligence, like you referenced, uh, it's, it's, it's due to disrupt just about any industry. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then bring, that brings me to, the, to, my, to my next subject, which is the adoption, right? Manufacturing traditionally have been uh, uh, run by a lot of uh, good folks that uh, had a lot of experience, right? In, right. in, the, in, in a floor of these manufacturing environments and had brought a tremendous value to manufacturing, got everything up and kept everything off and running. Now we are introducing a disruptive type of uh, concept to, to, to these folks. And adoption is a uh, is an issue. And part of this is obviously uh, uh, lies on us, companies like ours, to educate and uh, our uh, customers. Uh, the way we approach that process, minor, we uh, always uh, refer to artificial intelligence as an intelligence assistance for our customers, right? And not a replacement for the folks that have been keeping these industries going, and they will be keeping these industries going. So uh, what is your advice for companies that are, are facing the challenges uh, on, the, on the floor of these manufacturing with the adoption of the folks that have to be working with these advanced technologies? Right. So I don't know that I, I have advice. I'm not in the consulting business, but from when I was out, if I were to have a product to push it out, uh, it's, it's certainly uh, showing how uh, or trying to educate it on the areas that would complement it, right? So you have the millennials that are digital natives that fully embrace this. And then you have these uh, folks who, with a wealth of experience that may be a little bit skeptical. But if you can have projects that allow to show the needle moving, those are ways to, to I think, uh, and if I were to push a product like that, that's what I would focus is to show the needle moving and show how it complement what they do and perhaps inject that they can do other tasks they are more, uh, they may be more excited about doing. Uh, it, those are at least a couple of ways that I would. Uh, gotcha, exactly. I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, for instance, what you're experiencing uh, is uh, introducing our uh, autonomous control that operators, they love it because it allows them to do more precision optimization on their, uh, on their system, obviously showing very tangible ROI on, on what they do uh, in terms of saving chemicals, raw materials, and, and other, uh, other uh, benefits uh, that it provides and reduce variability on their system. They have a more uh, sort of a smooth operations running on their processes. And, and absolutely, you're absolutely right that there are different uh, value propositions that are it's collectively going to bring a lot of value to them, but it needs maturity and, and we have to show value also to these folks to make sure that we can gain their, their confidence, right? And trust. Yeah. So 
it, it, that we can work together to improve those uh, values. And also, is it going to be a burden to themselves? How easy is to to use that, right? So if you give something that it allows them to focus on the process versus the uh, how how difficult the particular adapting the controller is it then then they will adopt it because it makes their job easier and they look like heroes in a, in a manufacturing facility. exactly all right so uh, uh, manufacturing in particular is a uh, very labor-intensive industry and uh, COVID-19 have had a profound impact on manufacturing as it has on all the different businesses uh, what change uh, changes and adaptations in technology are you seeing deployed to respond to the crisis uh, in the past year so, so I think we've, we've seen a, a number of changes, right? Certainly uh, safety, it was a primary concern and that there was a must change, right? So to tools that enable the social distances, we've seen a lot of those. Uh, certainly uh, we couldn't travel, so you have to now uh, allow, open the ports to allow remote troubleshooting and helping keep that machine running. Uh, so there's at least a couple of that now. The other thing that I've just, uh, came across a study from McKinsey, right? A digital adoption has taken like a, what they refer to a quantum leap, uh, both organizational and industry level. So, and what they refer to is, is, is the digital interaction has moved about three or four years, depending on what region, three to four years faster around that. And the data is out there for, from um, uh, McKinsey uh, for that. Um, so that's on, if you will, just what everybody could see. But on the other hand, if you look at the investments that were done, there are some organizations that refer to the, the COVID year being a catalyst from investments in that area. Is because it became clear that you have to do it and it speed up, sped up that, that uh, process. Right, and, and, uh, and obviously you know that the, one of the positive sides of the crisis is always the innovations that are coming out of those crises, right? Human tend to uh, uh, do a lot more in, in, in terms of innovation to survive. And you're seeing this, right, uh, at, in the health industry, pharmaceutical industry and manufacturing and a lot of other industries right now. All right, and uh, gets to my last question, actually. Um, um, FDA approved uh, two vaccines, right, last week, which is a great news um, for, for, for everybody. And uh, we have had a, uh, a lot of corporate uh, restrictions on travel. And uh, we used to go to conventions, right? Uh, and, and different events in person. And uh, um, that was a norm for us. Now that has changed. That has become a, a, a lot of events becoming into the virtual format, right? You're Zooming a lot, um, a lot more than before. So uh, uh, how do you see this trend changes after the crisis is controlled and, and hopefully over soon? Yeah, so, so I feel the same way. I, I, I'm, I have a burning desire and I'm itching to travel again, so I can't wait for this to be over. Uh, I felt that the events were way due to change, right? So will they change or pivot all online? Probably not. People still want to have that interaction face-to-face, -face, having that, that conversation over the network and over a glass of wine, relax atmosphere to, to meet. But I do think that the organizers do have to, to give, uh, to, to, to maintain some of this. Perhaps we, we get back to this large events, uh, but, but it would be a hybrid. You also have the opportunity to, to provide that 
uh, remote. So you don't have to all travel to Hanover, Germany, where 250,000 people in manufacturing meet together. You can still do that, but perhaps it's not for five days, perhaps it's shorter, but perhaps it's, 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 it's you're also getting some of that and digitize it and, and keeping that for longer than just a week there. It, it's probably live for another year or, or more so in, in a digital asset. Uh, and also, I think people would have to, we talked a little bit about ROI, right? Why are we doing what, what we're doing? So people are asking that, what is the ROI for spending, and there are some people say spending several millions to be at a, a trade show like that. Uh, it, it may be a hybrid now. You spend a little bit to have a presence there and a little bit to be online as well. Um, the math of, of marketing, right? That's why you go in there to present your, your show, to meet with the customers. The method marketing there used to be the all saying, have the money spent on advertising is wasted. The trouble is figure out which, which have. Well, now the method marketing with this artificial intelligence with, with various ways you can actually predict, right? You spent this much and it's, you know, whatever your, your, your order costs this much, you can predict what you, you're going to be. So I'm certainly looking forward to 2021 to start uh, adding something on my agenda. Uh, but I do expect that the events will be hybrid. Just to put things in perspective and not to give another plug to our company, we were averaging about a year ago, roughly about anywhere from 300 to 1,200 people on a virtual event. We're 100% digital. Uh, we put in a six months notice that we we're going to do a virtual event. And it went from a goal of 12,000 people from 70 countries, leveraging 70 speakers, we ended up with 95 speakers. We did a two days event in, instead of one, 14,500 virtual attendees. Now that's COVID time, right? Uh, but I do think that uh, people will be, will be uh, opting for a hybrid way of doing it. There's something just not possible to be there. I agree with you. And, but I, I believe that this transitions actually uh, uh, to the uh, uh, to, to after COVID, you know, the, uh, the, the, the interest stays there as long as we feed it, right? Yeah. So, uh, Lucian, thank you so much. It was wonderful speaking with you. Congratulations again uh, on your new baby and uh, have a wonderful holiday, okay? And uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, to a, a healthy 2021 for everybody uh, and you and your family as well and, uh, and meeting you in person, you know, soon. Thank you, Karim, and thank you, uh, uh, your organization, for inviting me. Happy holidays, and if you're watching out there, look forward to see you at a future event or online somewhere. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you, Karim and Lucian, for that intriguing and thought-provoking dialogue. I've no doubt our listeners will benefit from your insights on trends in IIoT technology. Be sure to tune in to the next podcast, where a panel of leading data scientists will discuss the benefits of deep learning and other emerging artificial intelligence approaches that are benefiting continuous manufacturing. In the meantime, stay safe and innovate boldly.